Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. This time it comes from Connor Southwell from the Terrace podcast. It's a Norwich City podcast with Newcastle facing, of course, Norwich City this Saturday down at Carroll Road. Connor talks me through how Norwich City are getting on, of course, deep in relegation trouble. They look like they are going to go down. Just how does Dean Smith motivate his players in the eyes of certain relegation. Connor grills me on all things Newcastle United. So this is a bit of a different episode. It's a kind of a two shows in one because Connor was also recording for his very own podcast. But sit back and enjoy this version of the Everything is Black and White podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. If you're on the uh, Pinkin channels and uh, if you are on the Chronicle channels, then this will be uh, something different. But it is a, a match preview looking ahead to Saturday's game between Norwich City and Newcastle United. Connor Southwell of the Pinkin, joined by Andrew Musgrove of the Newcastle Chronicle. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting debate because obviously this season has, has gone probably in different directions for the two clubs. When you compare Andrew, I suppose, well, we must start really, which is the reverse fixture back in what would have been November, maybe the first day of December. I'm not sure. It was, it was certainly in that period. But at that stage, Newcastle were below Norwich on the table. They had seven points. Norwich had 10 points. It looked like it was going to be a relegation battle involving, or certainly um, to an extent, involving these two teams, amongst some others. But it, it's fair to say Newcastle have, uh, have pulled away from it somewhat. They've now hit the magical 40 points. I mean, Tyneside must be absolutely buzzing, mustn't it, compared to to maybe the state it was when Norwich travelled to St James's Park last year. It is, and if your viewers can see behind me, you can see the sunshine and everything. It's all happening on Tyneside. It's a rarity to see that this early in the year. But yes, you're right. When you compare when Newcastle were when they last faced Norwich, as you say, I mean, Newcastle were bottom of the league. They'd had the takeover. They'd had Eddie Howe come in, but it just was not clicking. And... There was a real fear that Newcastle were going down. I mean, even at the turn of the year, really, there was a fear Newcastle were going down. And thankfully, it's all come together. You know, the signs have helped in January, yes. Um, but the uh, it's just Eddie Howe's approach to to making the team fitter. They're more coherent. They're more uh, organised. And it's all just paying off. And yeah, it's Newcastle, 40 points. Brilliant stuff. Beat Crystal Palace on Wednesday night. Awful game. You know, it was second half was a right slog for Newcastle, but they're just churning out these results. And it's the old cliche, isn't it? That it's the it's the sign of a a good team when you don't play necessarily that well, but you still get the results. And that's been a large part of Newcastle's turnaround since the turn of the year, where they haven't played well in all the games, but they've been picking up the important points. And to be um, one of the nineteen points now clear of Norwich, it's I mean that 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 fact alone shows you just how far Newcastle United have come since the reverse fixture, which, by the way, as well, we have to remind people that was the fixture that Joe Linton was reborn. If you remember, Kieran Clark was sent off for a ridiculous uh, challenge really, very early on. Joe Linton had to go into that defensive role, and ever since, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's looked like a £40 million midfielder, where he was brought in as a £40 million number nine and looked, looked uh, well, didn't look anything like a £40 million striker. So thank you to Norwich, in a sense, for giving your cast out your fans the real, true Joe Linton. You're, you're most welcome. Norwich like to help where they can on the, on the, on, the, on those type of things. I mean, I, I want to ask you, I suppose we'll get the obvious question out of the way because I, and I can already hear maybe some of your your listeners uh, sighing as I, as I build up to this question. But people will look at Newcastle and say, well, 
certainly maybe Norwich fans, and there has been a portion of Norwich fans that have said this, well, the difference between Norwich and Newcastle is that Newcastle had X amount of money to spend in January. And and obviously an element of that is, yeah, OK, but they they still had to recruit well and they still had to get the right players in that situation. But do, do you feel that's a fair comment for, for opposition fans to make? I'm sure you hear it quite a lot that actually maybe you could split this this season for Newcastle United straight down the middle between between what happened before January and what has happened subsequently. There's no getting away that the money obviously helps, but you can have all the money in the world and still spend it wrong. You know, they've had to go out and get the right players. And if you look at when you castle away, when the January transfer window opened, they still look like they were going to go down. Um, still weren't picking up enough points. So to sell Newcastle United as a, as a project to a, to a top player is very difficult. And you also have to target, in my opinion, a different sort of player. The kind of player you'll bring in if you were mid-table or if you were just inside the top 10, aiming to go a little bit higher, is totally different to the kind of player you need to get out of a relegation scrap. You know, those players that fit both categories are there, and I think Newcastle have done well in getting the likes of Kieran Trippier and Dan Byrne in, you know, because they've got that fight and they've got that leadership. But it comes back to the fact that, you know, yes, they're getting paid wealthy, but of course they would have had a sit-down with their agents and their family and gone, do I leave... Do I leave Atletico Madrid fighting for the title in Champions League to go back to, to Newcastle United who look like they're going down? Do I leave Brighton in a, in the best position they've ever been in the Premier League to go, yes, back to my hometown club? But Newcastle, do I want to be part of that team that goes down to the Championship? So it's not just as simple as having a lot of money. You know, the, the owners who've come in have had to really sell Newcastle. Eddie Howe, he's infectious. He's had to, no doubt, persuade the, the new arrivals that, they were going to get out of this mess. They were going to go up the table and long term, they're going to break into that top 10, then the top six and what have you. So, yes, I get that from opposition fans. A lot of money is going to bring a lot of envy. That's understandable. You know, I think, interestingly, if you look around uh, to to Everton over the last few years, as a, as a Newcastle United fan, seeing them spend all that money, I was envious. I, I, I was, of course, you want your, you know, your club to go and spend that money. And I'm like, actually, it wasn't happening. I looked at Everton were buying the way they were spending with ambitions to get into the top four. You applaud that and you go, that's what I want my club to be. Of course, hasn't worked out well, you know, and that goes back to our original point. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't spend it right and you've got the wrong people spending it, the wrong players coming in, it'll backfire. It has for Everton. So far, thanks to, uh, hopefully for Newcastle going forward. Well, so far for Newcastle, it hasn't. Hopefully going forward, it won't. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's as simple as just saying, oh, you know, Newcastle have got a lot of money. That's how they fixed it because there were little improvements before the January transfer window. I just think the mess Eddie Howe had to come into was so big that it was never going to happen overnight and it was always going to be a gradual improvement. Yes, it's been accelerated by the January transfer window, but it's not just about the money. No, and I guess the second obvious question that we'll get out of the way really, really early on is is where that money comes from. And there's obviously been lots of conversations about that. Eddie Howe has been asked questions about it, and it's certainly not for supporters to justify or argue for or against. And it, and it does feel, to me at least, like, uh, and whether it's just because it's the most recent example, but it does feel like when you compare maybe the way Newcastle are scrutinised to the way the way Manchester City are scrutinised, for example, they still feel very different. So I guess maybe the question is, a few months on from the takeover and everything that's happened subsequently, what are the reflections at the moment from Newcastle fans about where that money is coming from and the issues of Saudi Arabia and uh, and their government's ideas and, and policies, maybe which are in, in in conflict with maybe the 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 way that we in the West see the world. So so 
I mean, it's difficult asking Newcastle fans to really criticise that and, and to be um, to put their head above the parapet and uh, and be these kind of ethical speakers on it. But do, do you feel that the reflections from fans has shifted? Do you feel, I mean, what do you make of the whole conversation, really? I think it's an important conversation to have. It's very important that the tough questions are asked. And, you know, Eddie Howe was asked the tough questions. I thought he answered them as best he, he could. What What really is he expected to say? Um, but I know a lot of fans weren't happy with the way or the fact he was asked, but I think with him being the face of the club, you have to expect that the manager is going to be asked these questions about essentially the, you know, the, the, uh, where the money comes from and the fact it does come from Saudi Arabia. I think, you know, it, it's a good thing that these questions are being asked because it keeps those issues in the public eye. And in, in my view, I think that's the best way you can bring about change in it in, 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 for anything really is to keep people talking about it. Then your Castle United fans are split. Some, you know, aren't comfortable with it. Some are kind of in the middle, you know, they're not comfortable with it, but is it Newcastle United's fans' responsibility? Dan says it, it's not. And other fans just, you know, they're not, they're not too caring. It's about the football for them. I'm sort of in the middle ground where, you know, I, like I say, I think it's important the questions are, are asked and continue to be asked. But when you look around at other businesses that, you know, the Public Investment Fund have got shares in and the fact that, the British government and Saudi Arabia are very close allies. It's not Newcastle United's fans' responsibility to lead the march for change. That it's you can't put that on any football fan at all. Just the same way you can't put it on Chelsea fans. Um, the same way you can't put it on Manchester City fans. Keep asking the questions. Keep holding everyone to account, but don't expect football fans to 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 change. Um, what is a much bigger issue? You know, like I just mentioned, the government there, the government are the ones right at the top. That If you want change, that's where it's, it has to come from. The government have to, to make a stand, um, you know, on on, on on the issues. So, yeah, the debate will continue to rage, rage on, and, and, and so it should. And I think, again, it's not just as, sim- as simple as your Cast United fans don't care. I think, I think there's a large kind of division amongst the fan base about just the, the kind of the severity of how much you know, they, they do care about, about what is going on. And I suppose the, the flip side of that, to turn things onto the pitch, is that actually some of the improvement has just come through good coaching and uh, and good management from, from Eddie Howe. And there does seem to be, I mean, I was watching watching some of the highlights and watching the, the scenes after every Newcastle game where the whole team now parades around the pitch. There's flags. I mean, we've seen those at, at Carrow Road as well. And it does feel like there is a togetherness uh, and I suppose perhaps more of a connection between certainly from the outside looking in at least, between the fans and the players and the players and the fans and the fans to the ownership and the ownership to the fans than perhaps there was when Mike Ashley was in charge. 100%. I think it's it's really important for Norwich fans and other football fans who may have stumbled upon either the, the Everything's Black and White podcast or your own podcast, um, that it could have been any owner to come in and replace Mike Ashley. Long as they'd had a plan and shown they had the money to match their plan, that would have done. It just happens to be it's the richest group in the world and Newcastle United fans, of course, welcome that. But seriously, if it had just been someone coming in saying, look, we haven't got the riches of the world, we've got X amount of money, the plan is in the next seven to ten years to be an established top seven side, they would have gone, right, okay, even established mid-table side, right, fine. They just wanted to see a line of progression and not just simply 
survive every season by the skin of your teeth or survive with four games to go and, and next year you sign one player but there's a risk also of selling your best player and it, it's ju- it was just getting to a point where there was just apathy running throughout the club fans just 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 didn't care they were going to games out of tradition some of them if not most of them so this takeover has revitalized not just the club the fan base but the whole city and it is it is unbelievable i mean newcastle beat crystal palace last night 1-0 crystal palace hung over from wembley and the scenes were like they'd won a cup and it 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 sounds strange to people not following newcastle who don't support them but there's just something special about this club and eddie howe has gone in and he's 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 not only changed things on the pitch but off the pitch. He's got to know the players on a more personal level. You know, he knows when the kids' birthdays are, when um, you know the, the the kids of the players when their birthdays are and the names and stuff, which is which is a great touch. He's got them fitter. I mean, they're so much fitter than what they were under Steve Bruce. It's just been a remarkable turnaround. And some would say it's getting the basics done right. Some would say. He is such a stickler for detail that, you know, he sets his bar and every player has to match it. And I'm sure we'll get onto this, but there's a lot of players who started against Crystal Palace who are regular starters who, under Steve Bruce, or right at the start of Eddie Howe's tenure, if you'd given Newcastle Knight the fans the chance to ship them off somewhere else, they would they would have taken it. You know, I'm talking about the likes of Joe Linton, Fabian Cher, Emil Kraft. And here they are in the Newcastle United starting eleven, And for some, the first names on the team sheet, minus maybe Bruno Gamoresh, are those three or four players I've just mentioned there. Yeah, it's, it's six home wins on the bounce, isn't it, for Newcastle at the moment, which is um, the first time since Bobby Robson was in charge. That's right, isn't it? So, I mean, that's that's remarkable, really, when you consider the state, as we kind of opened the, this pod with, really, where Newcastle were back in that reverse fixture in, in November. And I think actually Norwich and Dean Smith probably left St. James's Park, knowing that they'd squandered a, a really big opportunity to get three points against a team who were playing with 10 men at that stage. And you compare the respective fortunes of the team now, it's just it's just not comparable. It's um, it, it's it's quite an incredible rise, but a lot of it has been done on the pitch. And what Eddie Howe has done, is, as you mentioned there, and, and, and the improvements that he's made. And you kind of touched upon maybe the players that he's improved, but can you talk about maybe how he's improved the team as a collective as well, what are Newcastle doing now that maybe they weren't doing at the start of the season where they were obviously struggling for, for points, for wins and uh, and sitting at the bottom of the Premier League? First of all, they're taking the chances. Now, if you look at the possession stats of recent games, it kind of compares to how it was at the start of the season. They're not getting a lot of the ball, but what they are doing now under Eddie Howe is they're making a pace. So again, I think they had 36% last night against Crystal Palace. I think it was 31 against Leicester. But they had more shots, more shots on target against both sides. And it's all now about being clinical and taking that one opportunity to win, win, win you the game. And I think if you look at the last few um, results, they've probably been winning by one goal margins. If um, Yeah, so that shows you that clinical edge is there. Superb goal by Miguel Almiron uh, against Crystal Palace. And defensively, they're just solid. They're just more assured. They're organised. Against Crystal Palace, they were lobbing everything at Newcastle uh, towards the end of the game. And Newcastle just stood strong. And that's what it's all about. They, I no longer fear when opposition players are running towards Newcastle, you know, because I, 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 they just look more organised. They look like they know what they're doing. Not, not everyone is running towards the ball, which is which was a big thing on the Steam Bruce. Everyone just seemed to run towards the ball. It's like, that's the first thing you learn when, you, when you're a four or five-year-old kid kicking a ball around. 
you know, your first training session for your local Saturday club is no, don't let every man run towards the ball. And and it's just been, again, I think it's just been basics and I'm just getting, I'll just, they're just been done right. And it's the fitness as well. The fitness is underpinning all of this. You know, they, they had a training session yesterday before the game. They beat, um, who did they beat? I can't remember who they beat on a Saturday, but they were in training on the Sunday. And it's like, Steve Bruce would have given them two days off. But it's those little things, and it all rolls into how Eddie Howe sets his side out, sets the standards. The players know, some of them, they're fighting for the future. And this is the ball that Eddie Howe has set. And when they come under it, it hurts because you notice the difference. Thankfully, for most part of, especially 2022, they've hit the standard, they've not gone above it. And, and long may it continue. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been remarkable 2022, which I guess, Connie, you can't say the same about Norwich. It's 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 a it's a pretty um, bleak picture. Yeah, and I, and I guess maybe the the point for for Norwich fans is is maybe that they saw this coming. Really, um, you, you kind of think about Norwich City in the Premier League, and I think everyone has this perception of a team that isn't really competitive, that gets relegated, that loses games on a mass scale and that everyone kind of sees as a bit of a waste of space at this level, to be completely honest, because it feels like they're kind of occupying a spot that maybe a, a, another team who could come up and be slightly more competitive would. And obviously there's been this running joke in the last week about them and Fulham exchanging places. Um, uh, and let me tell you, Norwich fans don't mind that they're not playing Fulham because they have an abysmal record at Craven Cottage. So uh, they, they would certainly uh, join in with those jokes. But you're right, it, it has been tough and um, it's probably... Norwich fans have, and Norwich generally have seen enough uplift under Dean Smith. I think they're, they're they're a better team now than they were under Daniel Farker. I think the problem is they just haven't improved to a, to a rate that will ultimately keep them in the division. Uh, and I think maybe that is probably where the frustrations lie. And that probably has has probed wider discussions amongst Norwich fans about their ownership model, about whether what they're trying to do and and trying to be a self sustainable club. Can that work in the Premier League? Does it work in the Premier League? Because it's the same approach that they were trying to take 10 years ago in the Premier League to, to do the same thing. And, um, you know, you, no one will need reminding of the, I think it's an Einstein quote, isn't it, about insanity. So, um, yeah, it, there's frustration. There's a little bit of of, of apathy. Uh, and I think, to be honest, what, what Norwich fans want to see at the moment is what we've seen in the last two weeks against Burnley and Manchester United, which are improved performances and uh, and players looking like they, uh, they're they going to go down with a little bit of a fight. Is there a sense of frustration? Because you watch that Manchester United game and Norwich didn't help themselves at all. And I know you're playing against Ronaldo, who's you know one of the, the world's best players, even at 37. And my United, for all the troubles, have still got you know a really good squad. And what they certainly don't need is, is being handed goals on a plate like Norwich did last weekend. Exactly that. I mean, you, you look at Ronaldo's hat-trick. Um, one of them comes from a, a Ben Gibson howler. The second one is from a corner where he gets a run on Ben Gibson again. Um, they, they actually changed their marking from that. For, they have been going zonal, but they went man-to-man. And actually, there was probably an argument they should have stuck with zonal for, for that particular goal. And the last one is a free kick that Tim Krul should have saved. So he's walked away with a hat-trick, yes, but he's been given a massive leg up by Nori City. And it feels like this is kind of part of the the challenge for Norwich this season. They're, they're not just playing against opposition teams who have real quality, kind of capable of uh, of winning matches at any given moment. And I'd put Newcastle in that category as well. Um, but sometimes they have to play themselves and, and it feels like they're battling themselves. Uh, and ultimately, I think that's where you kind of feel sorry for Dean Smith or whoever is in the dugout because 
ultimately as uh, as a coach you can you can implement tactics you can try and um impart your visions across or implement a style of play but you can't account for individual errors and when Norwich are making them on the scale that they're making them ultimately that points to a, a lack of quality uh, across their team and you know when you look at that and look at the amount of games that they've won this year I mean for example both games against Manchester United are a wonderful example they played very well in both should have won both maybe could have got four points from both uh, it took zero Ronaldo scored four goals so yeah there, there's there's definitely a sense that this Norwich side um, is well, a lot of the pain that this Norwich side feels is self-inflicted at times. And I think that's probably where the frustration comes because actually, if you look at it, this is a team that should have been more competitive this season and ultimately hasn't been. So how does Dean Smith approach this weekend? Because, you know, the league table is, like I say, a bleak picture for you guys and relegation is, is it's going to happen bar a miracle. So, Norwich are in limbo, so how does he approach the game? Is it a case that he's just going to kind of say to everyone, look, we've, while we've still got a chance to get out of this, we've still got a chance? Or is it a case, you think, maybe behind closed doors, he's just accepted it and now it's like, right, go and prove yourself, prove to me you can be part of this squad next season and get us back up to the Premier League? Yeah, I think ever since the Leeds defeat, I would say, before kind of the three-week break that, that Norwich had last month, um, Ever since then, there's been a lot more realism from him. I think that there's still obviously the, while it's mathematically possible, you have to fight for it and you have to believe that it can happen. Um, and I think, you know, as a head coach or a manager of any football club in that situation, you kind of do have to say that because ultimately the group of players are watching on, the fans are watching on. And if there's even a slight little bit of, and Dean Smith's had it a few occasions, there's been a few comments that he's made that have rubbed people up the wrong way, even though maybe that hasn't been the intention. So, I think you have to be seen to be working towards it. And look, Nor- Norwich fans aren't aren't daft. They they're not stupid. And neither is Dean Smith, and neither is this group of players. They won five games all season. They've got six games left. They're going to need another five wins. I think um, it's not going to happen. Uh, and uh, and if it does, then I'll, I'll perfectly, uh, you know, I'll be the first to stand, step out and say I was wrong and uh, and well done to them. But there's no suggestion that they're capable of that. Um, so in terms of this weekend's game. I mean, there's an opportunity to close the gap to Everton to, to five points before they play on Sunday. Um, there's an opportunity to obviously leapfrog Watford and, and to try and make sure they don't finish bottom, uh, which is a really depressing expectation and target to set them at this stage of the season. But that's ultimately where they are. And they've got to prove that this is a better team than the one they had two years ago and at least show there's some crumbs of comfort, some little bits of progress. But ultimately, I don't think if... Uh, if if you get relegated in in 19th or 20th, I don't think it makes a lot of material difference really. But when the frustration in, uh, in the season has been what it is, and the writing has has been on the wall for as long as it is, because actually I think after 10 games, and as soon as um, maybe Norwich uh, lost their their seventh of those 10 games, I think a lot of people saw the way that this season was going, and, and maybe saw another difficult year of Premier League football. And, and sadly, that's turning a lot of Norwich fans off to, to Premier League football because I think a lot of them at the moment are, are thinking, as a lot of other people probably are externally, what is the point of Norwich City playing at this level? What is the point of them competing at this level? Because they'll go down to the Championship next year. They might, they may well come up again, but what what is going to change? What are they going to do different next time that they haven't done this time? Because they have spent money this time. They have tried to invest in the squad this time. They've just done that very poorly. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of an existential crisis that Norwich City fans are having at the moment, I would say. 
But this game, I think, is another opportunity, as was the case with Burnley, as was the case with Manchester United, to try and finish the season with some optimism, obviously leading into, into what comes next. And I suppose being at home as well, trying to go down with a bit of a fight, go down with some pride still intact. But you you sound, or Norwich fans there, based on what you've been saying, they sound a little bit, um, I don't know, disconnected the right word from, from the club. They don't sound you know too happy. Yeah, I think I think it's probably, a lot of the frustration is, is probably a culmination of the last four or five seasons at this level, all of which have ended in relegation and pretty bad relegations as well. Um, and actually, we, we had some quotes last summer from Stuart Webber about how this time was going to be different, how they're recruiting to stay in the Premier League, how he felt they had... Um, Sign. I, th- I think he was talking about ammunition and said, "Oh, we've started, we've got the bazooka. We just haven't quite got the tank yet." So I think Norwich fans and, and the rhetoric they were being told by people who lead the organisation was that this time would be different and this time would be a lot more competitive. And look, Norwich fans are realistic. They know ultimately that it was going to be a relegation battle this year. But when you look at the facts that last season they finished ten points above Brentford, it doesn't get discussed too much now. But they were ten points ahead of Brentford side who didn't really recruit to the same level that Norwich City did and yet they're going to stay in the Premier League and I think there's there's a lot of people who are looking at that from Norwich's perspective and going well okay actually maybe you had the argument last time that Sheffield United when they came up and did it okay yeah they spent a lot of money we recognise that they didn't build anything yet okay sure but actually Brentford have done it this year and they've done it on a very similar way to how Norwich City would have liked to have done it albeit signed Christian Eriksen in in January for for what one would assume is quite big money in terms of wages. So there is frustration and there are questions being asked. I think, as I said, I think they're they're kind of a little bit of an existential crisis about does this ownership model work? Does the way they're trying to run the football club work? Um, And ultimately where they're going, because they get told a lot that they want to be a top 17 club, but actually that's proving very difficult to achieve. And, And actually it kind of all flows in. Does the model that they're operating in, this self-sustainable model where the owners don't put in money and they basically spend what they what they have. Um, they're, they're not in debt. They run themselves sensibly. And from someone in my position, that makes life almost a bit more difficult because it's very difficult for me to advocate a football club going against that and, and plunging themselves into debt and gambling the future of their club like so others have. So I think it's a, that is kind of the question that is being weighed up by Norwich fans. And I think there's also an element of is the Norwich City model broken or is modern football broken? And that's kind of the, an interesting debate as well. So it, it, I think that's where Norwich City fans are at the moment. A lot of questions are being asked about their existence and what they actually are as a football club. So it's quite a difficult thing to kind of talk about in a in a, in a response to a question. It, it's quite convoluted and quite, quite nuanced. But um, yeah, I, I maybe wouldn't use dis- disconnected. I, I would say maybe lacking direction or... or uh, maybe feeling disconnected with football as a whole, perhaps rather than Norwich City, is, is maybe a better way to look at it. Do you think Dean Smith and, and the fans were we looking at the way Newcastle have performed? You know, since well, since the turn of the year, really, only Liverpool have gained more points from in the Premier League, and they'll be they'll be fearing them slightly. Or will Dean Smith be trying to somehow just boost his his, his squad, his players, and, and and be telling his players to just focus focus on what we can do to beat Newcastle? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you always see it, don't you? When when you get towards the, the end of the season, teams who 
look like they're going down can play or are already down play with a lot more freedom than they did previously the the kind of weight of the world is off their shoulders and actually you see better performances and I think we've actually seen that from this Norwich City side in, in the last two weeks uh, they should have beaten Manchester United by by all accounts they they beat Burnley they've, they've become a bit more of a counter-attacking team um, and looked pretty effective doing it as well uh, Kieran Dowell has come in and uh, and done very well um, so I think the, the message will be the same. He'll want to win the football match. He'll want to try and close the gap. He'll want to show that um, he is the right man. Maybe not to the people that matter, because I think the people that matter know that, but certainly the supporters that he's the right man to lead them forward next season. So I still think there's a lot to, for Norwich City to play for, even if that's not necessarily league status. Um, and actually, there was there was a lot of talk before Burnley about what that would look like and what the atmosphere would be like. Because, as I said, Norwich fans are realistic and a lot of them know it's going to be championship football next year. But the performance and the result actually made Carrow Road quite a decent place. So, actually, I think if there is a performance from this Norwich City side, that will be received by the supporters. And actually, the atmosphere could be a good one on on Saturday. So, no, I I don't think they'll be fearing because... To, to be honest, if they're fearing, then um, they've been fearing for the for the whole, for the whole season. I think actually, what you might see is an Norwich City side who are playing with a lot more freedom, albeit one that is definitely beatable and one that has struggled to to display the quality that it needs to to stay in this division. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a good atmosphere. I think I think you've got a, a sold out away end as well, a long way to go, but the tickets went very quickly, so it'd be good to see Newcastle United fans down there. Hopefully, the sun is shining. Um, in terms of you, Connor, is there any Newcastle United player you're looking forward to, to seeing? Yeah, uh, uh, oh, you're gonna have to help me with the pronunciation. Is everybody his... asks this question? Bruno, I'm gonna go Gimareas, but I might be wrong. Is is that right? Well, that's not how I say it, but I've been told that I've been saying it wrong. So I'm sure our listeners will what? know exactly who you mean. We'll, we'll go Bruno then, and, and people will know who who we're talking about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's obviously a player that I was I was aware of from his time in France, really, and he he was one of those. I think when when reports emerged that he was going to Newcastle, along with Kieran Trippier, really, you looked at him and thought, okay, yeah. Uh, certainly from a Norwich City perspective, you you kind of thought, oh, for goodness sake, you know. But um, clearly a very talented player. I liked what I've seen from him in in, in the small bursts. Um, Alan St. Maximin, I really rate him as a as a player. I know he he kind of um, is frustrating at times, but. Every time I've watched him play, so exciting. One of those players that gets people on the edge of their seat, even if his end product is is a little bit questionable at times. But I still think he could become a very, very, very good footballer um, if he's developed in, uh, and coached in the right way. So so those two probably, um, I guess from from Newcastle fans' perspective, it's, it's probably about Tim Krul, isn't it? I mean, he's he's a favourite of, uh, of them. I, I know Grant Hanley probably isn't as well received from from his time. But certainly Tim Krul, it feels like uh, he's going to get a pretty decent reception from the away end. Oh, he will do. Tim Krul's very well liked. Uh, I know he gets back to tie inside as well when he when he can. Uh, he is one of those players who will forever be in, in the hearts of Newcastle. I know he was here when he was very young and he had a, a long, long career. Many people would have kept him on tie inside. Uh, Rafa Benitez, I think it was, decided that it was time for him to go. But look, Yep, you'll get applause as he runs on the pitch, but um, you know, Newcastle United fans will be hoping he has a very bad day between the sticks, I think, because they just want to see their team keep winning. A lot of these Newcastle United players have got their futures to play for, so they've got to really put in some good performances. The likes of Miguel Almiro and the likes of Jacob Murphy. We might see Newcastle 
uh, Nelly House switch it up slightly because they have played a lot of games recently. So it'll be interesting to see the team sheet. Maybe, you know, does he leave St. Maxim on the bench? Does he bring on, bring in Jacob Murphy instead? What happens in midfield? You know, there's talk of maybe Shelby dropping out potentially for Sean Longstaff or Joe Willick coming in for Joe Linton just because you will expect that the legs are very tired after playing so many games in, in quick succession. And then obviously the, the travel down to Norwich, I know they'll be traveling in luxury, but still it's a, it's a, it's a long travel to take. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I say, we're just hoping he has, has a, has a bad day between, between the sticks. Uh, I guess the, the other question I want to ask you really is about obviously Jacob Murphy, who Norwich City Academy graduates, so there's still a lot of interest in, in him, but I suppose perhaps the more curious one from an Norwich perspective is is Jamal Lewis, who who obviously uh, he, he he wasn't registered in the Premier League squad for Newcastle, was he? So, could you just provide Norwich City fans for a little bit of a kind of update? I suppose perhaps more on Murphy and, uh, and maybe where Lewis's future lies or doesn't, uh, as may be the case. Yeah, so we'll start with Jacob Murphy. I'm a big fan. Anyone that listens to everything is back on my podcast knows I'm a, I'm a big fan of Murphy. I think the fact he's a boyhood Newcastle United fan, the fact that you've seen the pictures with him and his his brother in, in your cast night shirts as little babies. I mean, it's just, a, it's a great story to have him playing for his hometown club. And the fact that it just didn't get off to a very good start for, for him to be on, on the outskirts of this team. And actually he's played quite a lot of games on Eddie Howe is, is remarkable considering it looked like he was, he was pretty much out the door in the Steve Bruce. And uh, he then got back into favor with Steve Bruce. And then he's kind of been in and out of the side, but I, I think it, it depends on how quickly Newcastle kind of build up the squad. I think he'll probably have a future for at least the next year and a bit because they've got very good wingers as it is. So I can't see them going out and spending a load of money and bringing someone in who might not even start. So I think the, the kind of the wide men isn't really an issue. And I think Murphy will have another chance to prove himself. And he wants to be part of this journey. He came on for 12 minutes against Crystal Palace and, you know, he, the celebrations that he was in at the end, you know, singing to the crowd. He absolutely loves it. And it's, it's, it's those things I, I really enjoy seeing the pictures of him celebrating like I would if I had the chance to be on that pitch, you know, scoring a goal or two for Newcastle United. Um, if only he could stop trying to chip the keeper, that would make me a lot happier because he's continually trying to chip the keeper and it's not working. Um, Jamal Lewis, I felt he was very unfortunate not to be named in the squad. They signed Matt Target on loan, who's just been remarkable. You know, get that deal into a permanent deal as soon as possible. Been really, really good. Uh, but I, I felt it would have been better to have two out and out left backs because the only backup to uh, Matt Target is, is is Matt Ritchie, who was injured at the time of Matt Target's arrival as well. So he's only just coming back to fitness. And then you have Mankio or Miel Kraft, but they're predominantly right back and they can fill in there, but it's not their strongest position. So. To see Lewis not in the squad was a shock, but it turned out he had an injury, so he, he he's gone off. To, I think it's off to Germany to have that sorted out, and he has been pictured back in training. Um, I I think look, you guys know Norwich fans know he's a, he's a decent little player. He had a brilliant debut season in the Premier League. Maybe the the big move came from a little bit too early, perhaps, and he would have benefited maybe a bit like Max Owens has, just stopping on and just playing a few more games and just getting used to the to the pace of things. But I think, I, or I hope he does have a future at Newcastle because I think with the right arm around the shoulder, which Eddie Howe and his staff seem to be able to, to provide, I think he can be a real star in the Premier League. It's just a case of how they've managed him not being in the squad because it's, it's such a young age. You've had your big money move. It hasn't worked out. And then it'd be like, well, actually, 
nah, you're not, you know, come back in the summer sort of thing. That's a big, big blow. So you just have to hope that he's got the right people around him. It's been explained to him why, you know, obviously the injury probably worked out for the best. And come the summer, he's fit, he's ready to go, and he can challenge Touchwood, Matt Target, who, fingers crossed, will sign permanently for that left-back slot. Absolutely. I guess the final point to make then really is uh, what, what are you expecting from this game on Saturday? I guess I guess look, I'm, I'm trying to persuade you that Newcastle can be on the beach now, can't they? So uh, a nice nice home win. I'm sure that that, that would be all right, wouldn't it, for all, all, all everyone concerned? Newcastle are going to stay up. Norwich uh, uh, are still fighting. So, you know, you guys could give uh, could, could help Norwich and, and give them a little leg up as a return for, obviously, the, the help that they gave uh, Newcastle in terms of Joel Linton's progression. <laughs> Do you know, I'd love to see Norwich stay up and have one of them kind of really crazy ends to the season. I don't see it happening. And... With Man City and Liverpool coming up for Newcastle after this game, we're going to need all the momentum we can get going into those two games. And like I say, the, the, the players have got a lot to play for. Chris Wood, who signed in January, he's not going to get sold in the summer, but he knows Callum Wilson's going to be coming back. He knows Newcastle are probably going to sign another striker, so it'll be on his mind. I need to start scoring some goals. Miguel Almiron has scored a crack, as I said, against Palace. He knows that his future is up for debate. Murphy's probably another one. You've got Sean Longstaff who needs a contract. So if he starts on uh, Saturday, he'll be looking to be uh, at the top of his game. He's a Geordie. He's a, you know, he's a, another one who's playing for his hometown club. But of course, he wants to be part of this journey. So there's a load of players who've got things to play for. And it's probably slightly different, Connor, to how Norwich are, where, like, obviously, if they were able to get relegated on Saturday, you know, and then you could you, then you can start planning for the summer. But it's a different kind of uh, carrot, isn't it? Like, you know, play for your future in the, for the championship, play for your future and a potential top 10 side looking to win the FA Cup next season. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see in the, in the coming weeks how Dean Smith can feed that challenge to Norwich City uh, players and, and, and how it works on, on Saturday as well, because I guess being stuck in limbo doesn't really, um, doesn't really help anybody. No, it doesn't. And, and I suppose in many ways, I think when, when that relegation is confirmed, it, it it will probably be a weird sense of relief because I think this this cloud has been hanging over Norwich um, as a club and uh, and certainly as fans for a while now. And um, actually, when when that does get finalised, I suppose that there's probably an element of that chapter beginning to close, and uh, and you can begin to look to what's next. But as I said, I'm not really sure that will that will comfort Norwich fans too much because I think there's probably, and look, maybe, maybe it'll change. Maybe they'll win five games on the spin to start the championship season. And suddenly everyone is delirious again. But at the moment, at least this time does feel a bit different to the last few times that they've gone down in, in the sense that I think fans, uh, I've kind of worded it recently as it feels to me like Norwich City fans don't really like the Premier League and the Premier League don't really like Norwich City. It, It kind of feels like that there's kind of a mutual um, dislike for each other at the moment uh, and maybe some time apart will help but obviously Norwich as a football club can't afford to to, to spend time away and uh, they'll certainly be aiming to bounce back so yeah I, I think that sense of limbo helps nobody in a sense and uh, yeah it's going to be really interesting to see what what we get because actually ever since the break there was a pretty uh, it was a nil-nil draw against Brighton but it it was pretty um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it wasn't particularly inspiring. Norwich, Norwich weren't great. They didn't have any real sense of identity or attacking purpose. Um, but the last two performances have offered real encouragement. So that has to be the aim now to continue to replicate performances. 
I was going to say against Manchester United, they looked a threat. They had the chances to go a couple of goals ahead, didn't they? And they flashed one wide and De Gea had a, made, a, made an excellent save. So can you cast out your fans, expect Norwich to carry a, a, bit, a bit more of a threat this time around? I think, I think so, yeah. I mean, the, the Manchester United game was their best attacking performance of the season, I would say. Um, and this kind of newfound counter-attacking style that Dean Smith has maybe sought to implement in the last two games has worked really well. And uh, and actually, I suppose there's... I feel this has gone really under the radar, maybe not in Norfolk at all, but certainly in the wider Premier League. But Timmy Buki has 10 league goals this season. Norwich have scored 22. It's it's an incredible return. I mean, when you've watched Norwich all season, you realise how, how, how much of a, a lack of service he has received this season. It's incredible that he's reached double figures. He's the first Norwich uh, player to do it in consecutive Premier League seasons. Um, I mean, he is he is some player, and he's proven time and time again. If he gets the opportunities, then then he will score. I, I can I can reel you off loads of statistics about Timo Puki. Um, I did some digging into him earlier in the week, and and actually, if you look at his kind of um, value per shot or, or or goal per shot, it's it's at the same level that that Mo Salah's is at at the moment. It's higher than Harry Kane's is at. I mean, he's he's an incredibly talented striker, um, and he, and and actually a club legend at the moment. It's seventy-seven goals in one hundred and sixty-one games for Norwich, staggering. Uh, he's one behind Grant Holt, who's sixth in, in the all-time club goal-scoring charts. He needs another three, I think it is, to break into the top five. I mean, it's it's remarkable what he's doing in a team that has been as poor as it has been from an attacking sense all season. Um, but they're be- they're only now beginning to get the best out of him, and, and it feels a little bit too little, too late. And on one side, they've had Milo Rashica, and, and him and Puki kind of stretch the play. And then you've got Kieran Dowell, who's a bit bit more technical, and, and Pierre Lesmalou, who's a French midfielder, who. Uh, there was high hopes for this season hasn't really delivered in the way that people would expect but his last two games have probably been his most encouraging and they come short and receive the ball and that is how Norwich have attacked it's quite a simplistic concept to go long to go short I'm sure people who have played football will understand it but it's been pretty effective for them actually and it's allowed them to kind of retain a relatively solid base albeit they make individual errors so um, yeah I, I think there's definitely reasons to fear Norwich City but Ultimately, the point stands, if you can stop Timu Puki, then Norwich City struggled to score goals beyond him. And just defensively, just give our listeners a quick insight into how they might handle someone like Alan St. Maximum or Miguel Almiron now on a bit of a boost after his goal. And and Chris Wood as well, you know, not scoring the goals, but in the air, few defenders are, are really able to stop winning the, the knock-ons. I guess someone like Grant Hanley might, though, look forward to that sort of challenge. Yeah, I think he'll relish it. To be completely honest, I think he'll, he'll absolutely relish it. And uh, and we talk about maybe players in the Norwich City team who have proven themselves to be of standard. He is probably one who's really kicked on this season. I think beyond Timu Puki, if Norwich City fans, as they will do in a month time, are going to be asked to produce a, a player of the season award, I think it'll be Timu Puki and Grant Hanley in second place. And um, I don't think it would surprise Norwich fans at all if there was actually Premier League interest in Grant Hanley this summer. Um Again, another player that's gone slightly under the radar and it's difficult in a team that has conceded the sheer amount of goals that Norwich have conceded, but he's actually been pretty good for them and he's probably caught a lot of Norwich fans by surprise. So that sort of battle he'll relish. I mean, he's, as Newcastle fans maybe will, maybe won't know, I mean, he's he's got a fair amount of pace on him as well, Grant Hanley. I think there's this maybe this perception that he's quite slow and uh, I, I know he certainly is on the turn, but it, it, actually, if you get him running towards his own goal and charging back, he's... Uh, very rarely loses a foot race. Um, but 
yeah, I know he didn't show his, his kind of best side at Newcastle. I think by his own omission, that move didn't really pan out. But uh, Norwich, he's, he's really impressed and, uh, and looks to have found a little bit of a home. I think Ben Gibson as well, I think he'll be keen to make amends for, for what was a fairly poor performance at Old Trafford last weekend. And he will admit that uh, a Middlesbrough boy as well. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been trying to make this season work out for him after what happened at Burnley, but it's been difficult. And Ozan Kavak is is injured and uh, and doesn't look like he'll play again for Norwich City. Christoph Simmons had injuries and not really played too much football this season. Uh, and then Andrew Omabamadeli, who's a young Irish centre back who will be will be an excellent player, is also out injured. So it's going to be up to Hanley and uh, and Gibson to stop Chris Wood and stop St Maximin. The fullbacks are a bit more pragmatic now um, than, than what maybe other people would have expected when Daniel Farker was in charge. Uh, Sam Byram has actually been playing ahead of Max Aarons, which is an interesting one. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a Norwich side that is a bit more defensive by nature and will look to soak up pressure. Um, so, you would maybe say a token of that is probably that the likes of St Maximin won't get a lot of space to gallop into, but maybe the counter to that is they may not need space if Norwich City give them opportunities. Certainly going to be an interesting uh, lineup, and I guess should we end it here by asking each other the score predictions? For oh, them? absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, go on. We'll, we'll go with you first. You're the away team, so how how do you see this one going? I, I think Newcastle will be tired, but they have got players who can come in who are of lesser quality, but they've got their futures to play for. So I think that will that will play a big part of it. Um, I think they're going to win. Um, you see, my my heart says they're going to win at a quite a comfortable manner because it's it's sometime they're just going to have to thrash some team. But my head says they keep continuing to win by one goal, and it'll probably happen again. So I'm going to go two one to Newcastle. I would agree, <laughs> actually. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the only positive side from a Norwich perspective is. Last time they played Newcastle at Carrow Road in the Premier League, Timo Pukki scored a hat-trick. So maybe Norwich fans can cling on to him replicating that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's probably hope more than anything at this moment in time for Norwich City. So sadly, I think it will be it will be another defeat. But like we said, an opportunity to reduce the gap to, to five points to Everton. So as we said, the only currency that they, they can deal in at the moment is wins. So they need to win the game if there's any prospect of a great survival um, or a great escape rather. I don't see it. I don't think you see it. I don't think anyone else sees it. Uh, and sadly, I think that they're, they're going to lose this game. Andrew, thank you so much for, for your time. It's been great to get you on and to, and to have your insight. Um, uh, and of course, uh, look forward to, to catching you again. Ho- well, hopefully from a Norwich perspective next season, but I fear it may, be, uh, it may be a few seasons time, in which case we might be talking about a Newcastle United team that is uh, in Europe. I suppose that's that's probably the hope for, for Newcastle fans. Steady, steady, steady. I know so we can't we can't get ahead of ourselves. You know, slow and steady, slow and steady. Absolutely. Thank you very much to everyone watching and listening, and we'll uh, we'll catch you again very very soon. <laughs>